just because you don't uh, necessarily kill dolphins when you're fishing for tuna, that doesn't necessarily mean that the fishing methods that we're using to catch tuna are ecologically friendly. Tuna is a big predator and consumes a wide variety of other fish, making it a vital component of the sea ecosystem. Yet tuna is also an affordable and widely available source of protein around the world. And herein lies the problem. Can fishing tuna ever be sustainable? Which guidelines can we follow to buy the tuna fish with the least impact? Is tuna a healthy food? And most of all, can we still eat tuna? Locale. Local. Shock. Local. Slow Food, the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Slow Food, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the beauty and complexity of good, clean and fair food systems. I am Valentina Gritti, I'm your host and a Slow Food Youth Network activist. On this podcast, we meet change makers around the world who are working towards a more sustainable food system and promote a slow lifestyle. Today, we want to talk about tuna fish, one of the most eaten fish around the world, and we want to give an answer to all doubts around sustainability and health issues. We will discuss with Jack Colton, working for communication and events at Slow Food International, with Alison Laurie Nelson, researcher at the Interdisciplinary Center for Social Sciences, CICS Nova, at the University of Lisbon. And finally, with Andrea Del Vecchi, dietist and researcher at the University of Gastronomic Sciences in Pollenzo, in Italy. Let's start this podcast with a curious fact, which probably most of you, including myself, are not aware of. The tuna fish we find today at supermarkets is not the same one we used to buy a few years ago. Jack Colton explains why. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, it was probably uh, still the same as it is today. But um, if we if we go back 20 years, uh, then the situation was was different. Um, I think we can start by um, saying that not all tuna is the same uh, and that there are Uh, five major subspecies um, that are on, on the world market. Uh, so the, the most famous type of uh, tuna is the bluefin tuna. And um, when we hear about record-breaking prices being paid for a single tuna at the Tokyo fish market, these are always for bluefin tuna. Bluefin tuna is the most prestigious species of tuna and it's the one that has almost disappeared due to the overfishing which took place in the past years. Bluefin is the largest tuna and it needs the longest time to reach maturity, from 8 to even 15 years. Nowadays, only 1% of the total fish caught is actually bluefin. So most of the tuna that we see um, on the supermarket shelves is, is different. Uh, species. The most common uh, is called the skipjack tuna. Um, this also happens to be the tuna which uh, reproduces the fastest because uh, they, they only take one or two years to reach maturity. They are also, in a sense, the most sustainable tuna species that, that we can eat. 
So the bluefin is the largest tuna, while the skipjack takes the least time to grow, but there are also other tuna species, such as the yellowfin, which kind of stays in the middle, and the big-eyed tuna, which is a bit bigger than the skipjack, but also it has been quite overfished in the past years. The last species is called the albacore tuna. It needs around 5 years to reach maturity and represents around 4% of the total tuna caught. And can I know if it's like one species or the other when I'm buying tuna fish at the supermarket, for example? Is it written on the label? This depends. Um, you can look uh, on different brands. Uh, they should tell you uh, what type of tuna you're, you're eating. Um, they, if they don't, that's obviously a bad sign. And the more information that you can find on uh, a can of tuna, the better. Uh, but legally, they should tell you uh, what type of fish it is. And, um, and what area of the ocean it was caught in. The likelihood when you buy tuna nowadays is that it's probably skipjack as it represents 60% of the catch. But if it doesn't say, that's a bad sign. Uh, something else that you can look for on the cans of tuna is uh, a sustainability certificate. Uh, one of the most common is the MSC or Marine Stewardship Council Uh, sustainability certificate uh, and I would advise people if they can find tuna that has the MSC sustainable logo on the can uh, to choose that one uh, because that means that it complies with a, a series of regulations which uh, we can't guarantee with uh, tuna that doesn't have this symbol. Okay, so if we buy a tuna fish with this certification and it's probably also the species, the one that reproduces in two years, like the quickest one. So in that case, can we give for granted that it's sustainable fishing? No, we can't be sure that it's a sustainable type of fishing. Also because we're, we're never sure to what extent there's monitoring of all of the fishing vessels on, on the ocean. Uh, a lot of the time... The, the methods of fishing are self-reported by the boats. And, you know, there's no, there's no NGO with the capacity to have uh, monitors on all fishing boats to check which fishing methods are being used. Um, there are a number of different fishing methods uh, which are used to catch tuna, some of which are more sustainable than others. But the type of fishing method will, will almost never be... Uh, declared on a can of tuna. So this isn't something that it's easy for consumers to know much about. Um, one of the main uh, issues that people had with tuna fishing was which type of bycatch uh, was involved. And of course, uh, because they're mammals, one of the types of bycatch which was most troubling to, uh, to consumers was the, the idea of there being dolphin bycatch. Uh, because tuna and dolphin often swim together uh, in certain parts of the ocean. So the dolphin-friendly logos, uh, which we find on some tuna cans, they refer to tuna that has been caught without using a particular type of uh, fishing method, which is the one that's most likely to also catch tuna, which is called purse And purse involves creating a large sort of drawstring bag of a net 
around an area of the ocean and then just capturing everything that's in the net together uh, without any uh, discrimination of what might be inside. Uh, and as tuna and dolphins are often uh, seen together, mainly because, you know, they're not friends, but they, they, they prey on the same smaller species. Uh, so if there's a, a large group of, of squid, for example, you might get both the tuna and the dolphins uh, hunting together for the same prey. Deck explains that dolphin safe doesn't actually mean ocean safe because intensive fishing practices can also result in different types of bycatch and can also cause other damages to the marine ecosystem. Because dolphins are mammals, I think we feel uh, a sort of stronger empathy with them uh, and uh, we, we don't like the idea that our fishing techniques kill uh, whales and, and dolphins by accident. But just because you don't uh, necessarily kill dolphins when you're fishing for tuna. That doesn't necessarily mean that the fishing methods that we're using to catch tuna are ecologically friendly. The pole and line method, uh, which is the most traditional method to catch tuna, is now very rare because you can only really use this for the very largest tuna like the bluefin. Uh, but naturally, as this method implies that we catch the fish one by one, uh, there's almost no bycatch. All of the other methods that are used, uh, like longline fishing and uh, purse seining and gill netting, they all, to some extent, require bycatch. And it should be remembered that tuna are apex predators at the same level ecologically as sharks, really, in the sea. So all the smaller fish species, squid, jellyfish, these are all prey for tuna. Uh, so we're also going to be killing other predators when we try and catch large numbers of tuna. Jack also mentioned the oldest and most traditional and sustainable fishing practice, which is called pollen line fishing. This practice is still used in some places in the world, for example, in the Canary Islands and in the Azores. The Canaries are islands in Spain and the Azores are in the middle of the oceans in Portugal. And I asked Alison Laurie Nilsson, who is a researcher at the CICS NOVA, to explain to us how this method works. Alison just wrote an amazing book based on her field research on traditional fishing communities in the Azores. And the book is called A Sea Full of Life, Visions from the Azores. It embraces different aspects of the fishing communities, from stories of life, actual portraits, to societal changes and challenges, the role of women in fishing, and so much more. But now, let's get back to our main question. Can fishing tuna ever be sustainable? The tuna that are caught primarily in the Azores migrate and only come through the Azores islands at a certain time of year. And so some of the aspects of sustainability has to do with them being caught before they get to the Azores. But once they're in Azorean waters, they're only caught using um, salto ivera, which is jump and pull fishing, which is... Um, each fisher has one pole and has a line on it with one hook. So every tuna that is caught is not caught with a net. It, um, it's not a hundred percent guarantee that you don't catch a dolphin, but it's pretty close to, you're not going to catch a dolphin in a net. The dolphins are around these boats also going after the tuna, <laughs> you know, it's a mad <laughs> rush to go after the tuna, but it's, it's pretty, pretty good. Um, 
So, and what they do is there's this thing called a mancha or uh, a shadow. So the boats go out, they use various techniques to find the tuna fish and tuna fish have a tendency to swim together and they throw bait out and also use a bunch of water, um, just spraying water out so, so that the ocean is jumping with water and the tuna are, you know, they've just seen bait. They've just been eating that and all this splashing. They're thinking, okay, this is a big um, school of fish. So the fishing boats bring, encourage the tuna to come to them. And then they just, they put the line out and they catch tunas. Tunas are big, big fish. Um, you often need two or three men to help lift a tuna out of the water and into the boat. And so you have this crazy just, you know, fish flying, coming into the boat, water spring everywhere. If you're not aware of the realities of large scale fishing, this can appear like, oh, my God, this is there's so much fishing. But this is like nothing, nothing compared to the amount of tuna that would be caught in one net full of, of uh, tuna, plus all the other fish that were accidentally caught. And what the boats do is they catch the tuna until they are uh, full, you know, they have enough ice to look after this tuna uh, to, to keep it safe. And then what they might do is another boat will come in behind them as they leave this, this, this mancha, this um, shadow of feeding tuna, and another boat comes and fishes from it. You also catch them quickly, you know, for people who are concerned about the the conditions for the animal. It's a it's much quicker, you know. They're of course they die, and, and many fishers talk about this this complicated relationship they have about you know needing to catch fish for their livelihood, but also feeling sad at seeing uh, such a wonderful animal die. Um, but it's 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 pretty quick. So like, you know, as opposed to so many industrial processes, one of the issues that I think is really important for justice, uh, for women, for everybody in the Azores, is that the fishing that they did is not the fishing that has really harmed the ocean and, and, and removed a lot of fishing. So it's completely wrong and unfair to, to say something like overfishing and talk about the Azores. So let's try to understand better. Shall we then buy tuna fish caught with the pollen line method and avoid the skipjack? Jack Colton has something to share about this dilemma. The issue is partly about the, the size of the fish. Uh, so the, the, the smaller fish, uh, like, like the skipjack, are generally caught with methods that will bring lots of fish together and naturally catch other species too. Uh, the, the most sustainable tuna fishing method where each fish is caught individually. This method is only really uh, viable for the very largest tuna, uh, and that is the bluefin. Uh, so we, we wouldn't want to be eating bluefin anyway because it's the most overfished 
type of fish. So we've got a sort of dilemma here because uh, the, the bluefin tuna, as I said, they're, they're highly overfished and they only constitute a very small percentage of the, of the tuna that we catch today. Uh, but they may be caught using sustainable methods, but that doesn't mean we should eat them anyway. Uh, whereas um, the more sustainable uh, tuna species that we can eat, like the skipjack, uh, will probably be caught using methods which uh, necessitate bycatch. Tuna can be found in many different fast foods, but also traditional foods, be it pizza, sandwiches or sushi. We would like to open a chapter, especially on this last one, because the consumption of sushi has particularly increased among youth in the global north in the past few years. But Japanese sushi is not really the same thing as the sushi we find in other parts of the world. The sushi that we know in the West is generally based on another species, salmon. Uh, which we farm intensively in, in aquaculture. Salmon is not traditionally uh, part of the, the sushi culture in Japan, although it, it is becoming more popular in Japan too, uh, because, because Norway, which was the main um, producer of farmed salmon, has been creating a, a large marketing campaign to convince the Japanese um, how fantastic farmed salmon is. Tuna, however... That's the real traditional fish uh, of, of sushi in Japan. And I believe that the majority of uh, particularly bluefin tuna that's caught uh, ends up uh, in, in Japan. Uh, and, and we even talk about types of tuna in the sea when they're being caught as, as whether or not they're sashimi grade or not. So the dominance of sushi as an industry uh, and the demand of Japan for tuna that's being caught in the oceans worldwide, I think can be seen by the fact that we judge what tuna we, we catch uh, as to whether it will be uh, good enough for the Japanese market. Eating sushi has now become quite popular everywhere because it looks like a healthier alternative to other fast foods. So just because sushi might be relatively more healthy compared to eating uh, burgers and pizzas, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't mean that it's a, a good thing for us to be eating uh, this regularly. Uh, the, the planet cannot afford for everybody in the global north to be eating sushi Uh, on a regular basis. In general, we should be reducing our consumption of fish um, and replacing that with uh, beans, legumes and other non-animal uh, protein sources. When we do eat fish, uh, which should be less often than it is now, yes, we should be trying to uh, eat fish that is MSC certified, that is dolphin friendly certified. Did you know that what you find in some restaurants as white tuna, it's not tuna at all? Not even all of the fish that we see in, in fish restaurants is really tuna. Uh, there, was, there was an interesting study uh, conducted by a group called Oceana about 10 years ago. And they took a uh, thousand samples of fish uh, from, from sushi restaurants around the United States uh, and genetically tested them. Uh, and they found that uh, 59% of the tuna uh, was not actually tuna. Uh, you're likely to find uh, white tuna uh, as something on the menu. Uh, but white tuna doesn't exist. It's not a real species. Uh, 84% of the fish 
that was labelled as white tuna uh, was actually another type of fish called escolar. So apparently the texture of escolar fish is quite similar to the one of tuna. But if you just google escolar fish, the first things that appear in the search engine are that it can cause abdominal pains, diarrhea and cramping. So unless you want to do a gastronomic experiment on yourself, we don't really recommend eating white tuna. So what can we eat instead of tuna fish from a sustainability perspective? The, the best, most sustainable fish species that we can eat on the global level are probably sardines and, and mackerel. However, depending on where you live, this may change. Uh, if you live in a, a coastal community where there's an abundance of another type of fish, uh, like the grouper or the whitefish, then maybe those will be more sustainable. It really depends on, on where the fish comes from uh, and, and who your fisher is. In general, the smaller the fish species we eat, the better. Um, not only because uh, we, we'd be allowing the larger uh, fish species to repopulate, uh, but also because the, the, the fish species at the lower end of the food chain, which are smaller, take much less time to, to reach maturity and to repopulate themselves. Eating smaller fish is not only better for the environment, but also for our own health. Why? I've asked Andrea Del Vecchi, dietist and researcher at the University of Gastronomic Sciences in Pollenzo, to tell us more about it. We know that uh, eating fish is good for you, for us, because it's a source of vitamins, proteins and omega-3 fatty acids. Uh, regarding fish and seafood, uh, we know that they could contain, obviously, mercury naturally present in the environment or, uh, for example, as a consequence of water pollution. In particular, when uh, we talk about tuna, swordfish, sharks and other fish, they could contain a higher content of mercury and uh, therefore the consumption of this type of, of fish uh, should be limited. And this is especially important for some categories, for example, children, women of childbearing age, pregnant women or breastfeeding ones and uh, generally in the presence of certain diseases. Uh, for all this reason, uh, I think that it's important to prefer small fish such as sardines and the anchovies. Thank you to all our guests, Andrea Del Vecchio, Jack Colton and Alison Nielsen for this precious information. And now let's do a quick recap together. So first of all, talking about sustainable tuna fish hides a dilemma. On the one hand, if you are lucky enough to find sustainably fished bluefin tuna, that's still at risk of extinction, so you shouldn't really want to eat it. On the other hand, if you go for the skipjack, which grows quicker than the bluefin, the risk is that it has been fished in an industrial way with probably some bycatch you didn't really want to have. If you really want to buy a can of tuna, go for the one that has both the MSC certification and the Dolphin Safe certification. In general, try not to eat sushi regularly, especially if it's made of tuna and salmon. Also, stay away from whatever white tuna you may find. And if you can, prefer smaller fish, such as mackerel, sardines and anchovies, which are better both for your health and for the planet. 
and when you have the possibility, choose a plant-based protein source such as legumes instead of fish. If you're curious to know more about the topic, I invite you to read the book of Alison Nielsen, A Sea Full of Life, Visions from the Azores, narrating about traditional fishing communities in the Azores. In the podcast description, I led the study of Oceana, to which Jack Colton refers, as well as the article that Jack recently wrote on sushi terrorism, where you can also read more about the tuna issue. Finally, if you have more questions, feel free to reach out to us via email or via our social media, and we will do our best to answer to all your doubts. This is Valentina Gritti and you have listened to Slow Food, the podcast. See you in two weeks.